Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. When we give to God, He multiplies our giving back to us. In this episode, Pastor Andrew unpacks God's wonderful provision for us through Jesus. Now I want to pick up this morning something that we've heard about before, but this is drawing out more extensively, and that is the work of R. Roberts in his book called Seed Faith. And I've gone through his book and taken bits and pieces from here and there and combined them in different sections because I think Oral has something to help us through the nature of our giving to God. Now, as I was finishing this, I realised that there is a real problem with this perspective. And that is that it forms one of those strange paradoxes that we find in the Bible and in the New Testament, even more specifically. And you might say, well, okay, what's a paradox? And it is having two different thoughts that seem to be contradictory, that just can't both be right. They can't both be true, but you know they are. That's the paradox nature. They can't possibly both be right, and yet both are. The first element, which is not what we're going to unpack this morning, is that everything that happens in our life with God begins with God acting first. You're not a Christian because you went looking for God and somehow or other found him. You went looking for God because God did something to instigate that search. Or if you're like me, you weren't looking for him at all and he came and tapped you on the shoulder or pushed you off the donkey as he did with Paul. And that every new growth and process in our life is instigated by something that God does first. And attached to that is that everything that you or I need, God has already provided for us through Jesus Christ. Everything. So anything that you're going to ask God for or need God to supply, He has already supplied it in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross for us and his resurrection from the dead. Okay, that's the first element of the paradox. So really, it depends on God. It all depends on God. Now, this is where Oral Roberts comes in, and I agree with him. 
On the other hand, it actually depends on us. And there's the paradox. On the one hand, it depends on what God instigates, what God has done. On the other hand, it really depends on what we do. Now, how can those two thoughts possibly be right? They seem to contradict one another. And that is that in what God has done and what he has instigated includes things that he's put within his creation, principles and processes that automatically work. And then when you tap into those things, they produce the very things that we need. And that's what Oral wants us to get a hold of. Oral notes that God is concerned with what concerns you. God actually knows your needs. And sometimes God has already sent the provision before you even ask him for it. He is concerned with what concerns you. Everything God does begins with a seed that is sown. His engagement with our concerns begins with what we sow. Remember this, that only what you give can God multiply back. If you give nothing, and even if God was to multiply it, it would still be nothing. God, in the process of our giving, asks us to be concerned about what concerns him, what matters to Jesus. In order to have God engaged with our concerns and with us to be engaged with his concerns, we need to apply the threefold principle of what Oral Roberts calls the blessing pack that engages the power of seed faith. So the first element of this blessing pack is to look to God as the source of your supply. That seems quite simple, and yet we don't. Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, in our anxiety over finance and provision, we often lose sight of that. We lose sight of God in the midst of the forces around us, the economic forces around us, that impact the cost of living. The news said that there's almost half a billion dollars of frozen goods that could be thrown away because the company that delivers them went into receivership. And that means that when frozen food arrives, the price escalates. So here we have a company going to receivership affecting our lives, affecting our finances. And all of a sudden our focus shifts from God as the source as to those elements being the source. Or the limits of the pension 
or the limits of our wages. And so you can see how easy it is to think that those things are the source of our life, the source of our provision. And the issue is God is the source. Now, there's a difference between source and instrument. The source is where it comes from. The instrument is the means by which it comes. And so naturally, a lot of our source comes from our wages, from our pension. But the source of it is none of those things. The source is God. And that is a faith battle that we constantly fight to keep our focus clear to undercut the anxiety and fear that the forces around us bring into our life. The second principle, give as seed giving and it will become seed faith for God to multiply back to you in the form of your need. Now I found this an interesting expression. We've seen the issue of seed faith before and giving and sowing. But what he notes is you give by seed giving. In other words, you do deliberately are giving in a mode that sees yourself as I'm sowing a seed today. Right? Not just, hey, I'm giving. Yep, I'm giving my tithes or I'm giving my offerings or, or I'm giving to the tax man or whatever. That in fact, I am sowing a seed in every element that I give. That is the dynamic that I was trying to get across to us. Because only as we do that then it becomes seed faith. If we don't have that element, hey, I'm sowing a seed for God to multiply, it doesn't have the element of faith. It doesn't become seed faith. And that means that the multiplication of it can be affected. Jesus says in Luke 6.38, Give and it will be given to you, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured back to you in return. So the amount that you give, or the level of your giving, will determine the multiplication factor of it coming back. Do you know, some of us feel uncomfortable with the idea that I give to receive. And yet, that principle is so ingrained into the physical nature of the universe that it is something that we depend on all the time. A farmer sows seeds constantly. Imagine if he said, okay, I'm going to sow some potatoes and I'm going to sow one potato and expect one to come back. If sowing one potato only produced one potato, then what's the use of it? The thing is, when you sow one potato, it multiplies. When you sow one wheat seed and you get a wheat plant, it doesn't give you one seed back. 
it gives you a multiple number of seeds back. So there's a principle already in the creation of sowing and receiving. And if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't have food on our table. But we have food on our table because God has already sown into the nature of his creation the principle of giving and receiving. Now Jesus did say, and people will quote this, it is in Acts 20.35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, doesn't that contradict what we just said? No, no, no. This is what Oral says. He reads it like this. It is more productive to give than receive. For what we receive is not multiplied, only what we give. By giving, you increase the potential of receiving. And we give to receive. That's the nature of the physical universe, and it's the nature of the spiritual universe. This is something God has created as a basic element throughout his whole creation to give and to receive. Paul writes, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God who gives you the seed to sow is also the one who multiplies the seed back to you from what you've sown. What do you have that you can sow? If you sow, it will be multiplied back to you. So one of the elements of what Paul is saying here, and really clear, God has given you something to sow. There's not one of us that doesn't have something that we can sow as seed faith. And he wants to multiply them back to us. He just wants to delight in multiplying them back to us. You say, oh, where does it say that in the Bible? In the Psalms. In the Psalms it says God delights in the prosperity of his servant. God delights in it. Give as seed faith and it will be multiplied back to you. Third, by looking to God as your source and giving as seed faith, this is evidence on which your faith can act. So expect a miracle of God's supply. We need to have an eternal optimism. If you do not look for a miracle, you just might miss it. Now, surely, God's going to throw a miracle at us. How could you miss it? If you don't look for God sending back to you what you've given, you just might not see it. I bought a computer three years ago. They were talking about the 
extra warranty. And they said, you take this warranty out. Then just before it's due, bring your computer in to see and check whether it's healthy. And if it's not healthy, then they will give you the money back. So I actually took it in two days before the warranty was due. And lo and behold, the battery was dying badly. So they sent it away, and then they rang and said, look, we can fix the battery if you like, or we can give you the money back. So now I can go and get a new computer, like the one I just had. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just I would not have done it. I would not have taken it in to get it checked if one of the sales guys says, just before your warranty's up, get it checked. You don't look for the miracle. If you don't act on the information that comes, then the miracle might just pass you by. And you can only see the miracles coming if you're looking for them and you're expecting them. To do that, we need to cease being negative and becoming positive in our whole being. Now, I don't know about you, that is really a tough call. You know, God is going to cause something good to happen to you. Oral Roberts, you ever watch his programs? He always says, something good is going to happen to you because Jesus is coming your way. You know, God is going to cause something good to happen to you. You know how often we live by Murphy's Law? If something's going to go wrong, it will. We actually live by it. And Oral's challenge is to say, stop living by Murphy's Law and start living by Jesus' Law. That God is in the business of blessing us, especially when we're using seed faith. He wants to do it. He's eager to do it. He's not holding back. And he goes on. But if something bad happens, as it frequently does, just keep waiting. A miracle will come. Expect a miracle. The next section I've called turning our debts into seed faith. The tithe is something we owe God. It belongs to him. By withholding it, we are told that we are robbing him of what belongs to him. The Old Testament consistently emphasizes this, beginning with Abraham, then in the new instructions of the law to the covenant people in the wilderness. And up until the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, where we are told to bring the full tithe into his storehouse, for us, the church. In comparison, the New Testament seems to be almost but not completely silent about it. In fact, Jesus tells us to continue to tithe. But making sure we do it with the addition 
of some very important things like doing justice, having mercy, and being faithful to God and to others. Now, the reason that the New Testament doesn't emphasize the tithe is because Jesus takes us beyond the tithe to something greater. He takes it out of the area of debt we owe and elevates it to the area of sowing seed from which we receive further blessings from God, that of sowing seed for harvest. And in fact, if you read Malachi properly, that's exactly what Malachi is saying. Don't you know the tithe has the potential of blessing from God ingrained in it? That if you give it, God will open the heavens and pour out blessing. And in an agricultural culture, God opening the heavens is really important because rain is essential for such growth. So the tithe itself has within it, in the giving of it, the potential of further and greater blessings. It has the potential to produce further blessing from God as he multiplies back to us what we give to him. Even if it's something we owe him. Isn't that the beauty of it? Yet we're supposed to give it to God. But what Jesus says, ah, sow it to God. Don't just give it to God. Don't just say, well, I better do my duty and give it. No, no. Sow it to God. Sow your offerings. Sow your tithes. Sow the extra offerings, the building funds, the projects, the arms, the missions. Sow them to God. Don't owe him, but sow them. We noted earlier that God is concerned with what concerns you. The tithe and other offerings we give to God for his church, ministry and work, is our responding to what concerns God, what matters to him. This includes the tithe for the ministry of his church, the building loans and repayments and projects that help build the infrastructure of his church to operate in an incredibly competitive world. It includes arms to the poor that enable the church to reach out to the poor and then missions that extend the gospel beyond our own community and borders. The sowing of seed for the harvest has a twofold purpose and impact. It provides a harvest for the provision of our needs, our concerns, as well as providing for God's harvest and the bringing of people into his kingdom and church, which is the heart of the gospel reading we had this morning with Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. He concludes it with a call to reap the harvest, which is ready for harvesting now. And as he's saying this to his disciples, I'm sure he's pointing 
It says, can't you see it? Have a look. The harvest is coming. It's coming across the fields right now. That lady had gone back to her town and told everybody about Jesus and the whole town was coming out to see Jesus. And you could see them coming. And Jesus said to himself, stop worrying about food. Look, the harvest is here. It's running towards you. You know, that's what we have to get. If we don't see the opportunity coming, then we'll miss it. We have to open our spiritual eyes and see them coming. Expect them coming. Look for them coming. And they will come. They are already on their way. This is not something I'm saying. It's what Jesus said in our gospel reading this morning. The harvest is ripe for harvest. Jesus wants us to give us seed faith, our love, our respect for others, our faith, and our money. He then wants us to know that this gift is a seed which he will multiply back to us in good measure running over. And to finish, I found this phrase really stunning. A rejected opportunity to give is a lost opportunity to receive. We need to look for opportunities to sow seed faith. Let us pray. Father God, as we come in thanksgiving to you, we thank you, God, for all that you've done for us, for your provision, for your love, for your nurture, for your care, for your interventions. Help us, Lord, to get a hold of these principles of seed faith, to see you as our source, to give that will be given back, and to expect a miracle. Help us to see the harvest coming as you multiply us in the midst of our life and our church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.